0: Recorded live. Hey, welcome to the American Liberties. The uh, Wednesday night call is December 28th, and it will be the last call of 2016. And it's going to be a, a terrific start in 2017. Uh We got a lot of things, I mean, we don't have a lot of things, but we do have something that I think is going to be very unique, and and the timing couldn't be better. You know, I've said many times over the years, I've been involved in this, what I call crap, since uh, 1988 is when I was first introduced. I decided not to file a return in 1993 and for many years up to 2006 I was going back and forth and going to a lot of uh books and records meetings and you know and the IRS couldn't just you know just couldn't do anything because I was asking, you know, enough questions and and having a uh, a way that um would they would eliminate the call. Well, then in 2004 or 5ish somewhere around there, they started investigating me criminally. And then when I met uh, this gentleman, Dave Marilyn, who you're going to hear tonight, um uh, I instantly got his posture and the way that he would handle things and and it's nothing new, oh yeah um yeah, it's nothing new um as far as i'm you know i i, I read dave's note and i and i got sidetracked excuse me the um here let me do do this let me hold on a second. So anyhow, the uh, his posture, you know, if, if the law is the law and you're not abiding it, don't make me the criminal, you're the criminal, and here's the statutes that that support my position. You don't have any statutes, and, and I've come to learn you only have a regulation, and I can't deviate from statute, but you're the criminal, and if you can... If you can't prove what I can prove that you're wrong, then you're the criminal and here's a list of charges. Well, that was in 2006 when I met him. And, it, and that attitude and that posture helped me get through a grand jury process when I was uh, summoned to appear before the grand jury. When I said, great, I can't wait to get in front of the grand jury. And they said, no, 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 you, you, you can just come to our office and, and do the exemplars. And I said, no, it says right here on the summons, I am to appear before the grand jury, and that's what I want to do. So with that being said, and everybody on this call has heard all of that already, and if not, you can go to wevgov.com and listen to to the recordings. But um, then comes along, uh, two years ago, Donald Trump. That, you know, here's a guy that you've seen over the years. You know, he's a billionaire. He builds these high risers. He's won and lost money and all that and so forth and so on. You didn't really get to know the man. You you never really got to understand his posture until he became a candidate to and run for the president of the United States. And when when at the first uh the uh first debate, I mean, he was just knocking them dead and he was doing things that people never heard you know, people say you can't act like that on a you know on the you know running for the president of the of, of the of the United States you can't talk you're not a politician and so forth well you know David and now myself we're not lawyers you know we don't have to act like a lawyer we don't you know we want the truth and we want the truth exposed And, and that's, and that's, and if you're coming after me, we can only talk about the truth. I ain't going to, you know, it's not going to be political correctness or this or that. The truth is the truth. And that's what we're going to stand on. And if you can't stand on the truth, you're, you're a lying, you're a criminal crooked agent, do this, you can call them all names you want. But the fact is, they're lying, we're telling the truth. And you got to have that that posture and Donald Trump is a great national not only national but worldly example of how to stand up against liars, thieves and corruption. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. And and what a what an example that is and I think and I've already seen some examples of this is going to be passed on to a lot of the American people. We're just not going to take political correctness anymore. We're not going to take lying, thieving, government thieves anymore. And I think it's a prime time, a good time, the best time, to get involved in this Washington complaint that is being formatted right now and and we're going to be uh, we're going to I'm, I'm going to let Dave just talk a little bit about it. But we got a list of people that have already you know wanting to join. They they want to see their name right on the first page of the criminal complaint that is going to be sent to the president elect. And I am I am totally ecstatic about it. I am. I mean, I think it's just a great time, and I think after next year, uh, you know, starting next year, we need leaders to form groups now around the country to get behind this and get that get that example that is being that was started in, in my eyes. It was started with Dave Marilyn and and now Donald Trump, and we need to get that that. Um, that momentum going all over the country. And we can do it. A lot of people want to do it with Black Lives Matter. A lot of people want to do it with, you know, GMOs. And a lot of people want to do it with this and that. I want to do it with the IRS, because the IRS is the most criminal, the most feared organization in this country, and possibly in in some other countries. And I think it's a great time. So with that being said, I'd like to introduce Dave Marilyn. And Dave, are you on?
1: Yeah, thanks, Chris. Can you hear me?
0: Yep, can hear you well. Take it away.
1: Wonderful. Welcome, everybody, to the uh, American Liberties call Wednesday night, December 28, 2016. Nothing you'll hear me say is intended as legal advice, anything that sounds like that to you. Just consider it something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. Believe it. Uh, yeah, it's an exciting opportunity. Uh, the first week in office for the present president, uh, January 2009, I had a criminal complaint in the mail to the White House and to the new Attorney General, Eric Holder. Uh, approximately 300 pages, because it included a bunch of exhibits. One of the exhibits was the uh, 2006 Congressional Criminal Complaint of 180 pages. And I followed that up uh, about a month and a half later with another criminal complaint to the White House. And then uh, in May of 09, the third and final criminal complaint to the White House so this is nothing new. I already, I've already i already done it, but I'm starting from scratch with this one. Instead of including a bunch of uh, uh, prior documents like the criminal complaint to Congress, this is going to be uh, self-contained and from the ground up for a brand-new start with a brand-new president. And uh, if you're interested in complaining, uh, it serves... It's only appropriate that you first know what you're complaining about. Go to wevgov.com and read the federal income taxation page. There's two arguments framed on that page. The first argument, uh, I know I'm not in Social Security chapters because they especially exclude citizens of the United States, which leaves just Chapter 1 but in Chapter 1, I'm only named in a regulation. That's a violation of the 16th Amendment that says Congress can land collect this tax. It has to be a statute. And the second argument is, all property is cost. If I'm wrong, tell me how Section 83 operated In your conclusion, I owe an income tax, which is a profit tax, on the value of my labor. So the only things you're complaining about is, I'm only named in a regulation, and so I don't think I'm liable. And number two, all I received was the fair market value of my uh, services when I was compensated, and so uh, I don't owe an income tax, and all of this amounts to a conspiracy against my rights, a federal felony under 18 U.S.C. 241. WeVgov.com, go to the federal criminal statutes page, and read all about it. There's a bunch of statutes there. 18 U.S.C. 241, Conspiracy Against Rights. 18 U.S.C. 1961, I think it is, Racketeering. This is extortion and racketeering. You wrote a regulation to make me liable, and you deprived me of Section 83 to calculate the tax, which makes all the difference in the world as to whether or not I owe a dime or I owe what you're telling me I owe you're criminals that's what you're complaining about if you become a co-complainant on this complaint that's going to the White House I'm not going to get into specifics about how we're going to serve it who's going to get served with a copy uh, all you need to know is what you're complaining about and leave the process up to me and of course I'll be civil um The new president is new to tax law as it relates to individuals. You might know plenty of stuff about the uh, IRS and corporate taxes, but as far as individual income taxes, he's got lawyers and accountants for all that, and we know how little they all know. So uh, becoming a co complainant uh, puts you in the front seat of a complaint that's going to end up published. And when it's published, uh, it's going to be in the neighborhood of 150 to 180 pages total. That'll include the memorandum, the criminal complaint, maybe a cover letter from me, and a couple of exhibits like the uh, There's like 46 pages, uh, publication 17 excerpts, and there's a couple other documents I'm thinking of including. And it'll be perfect bound like you see the paperback books in the bookstore. And uh, it'll have an ISBN number, International Serial Book Number. And you'll be able to order copies of that. If you're a co-complainant, you'll be able to get those copies at cost. And uh, you probably want to order five or ten of those at least at a time instead of nickel and diamond it with uh, one copy. But it's for the purpose of serving public servants that say you owe an income tax. You can just lay it right on it saying, I got a complaint with the White House and nobody's been able to refute these two arguments. So the uh... now Chris, have you uh blocked the chat and then unblocked uh my regulars? Yes. Okay. The um, the arguments are laid out on the Federal Income Taxation page of wevgov.com. When you're inside that website, you'll see on the left-hand menu column at the top a link that says YouTube 2. Click on that. It takes you to my YouTube channel, and you can take the free tutorials. There's a two-and-a-half-hour tutorial about Section 83, and there's a tutorial called Cracking the Code, or uh, excuse me, wow, no it's not. Um, That's the roll of toilet paper that Pete Henderson wrote. It's called Key to the Code, and that's like an hour and 49 minutes. Those are the two arguments. I'm going to keep it nice and simple. I had a bunch of stuff in the Congressional Complaint of 2006. If you want to see that, you can get Take from Caesar Volumes 1 and 2 on the products page on wevgov.com. And so uh, you want to get your payment into us right away. You contact Chris. He'll give you the email address in the chat window there. Uh, contact Chris and arrange payment to become a co-complainant on the original complaint to the White House. And I'm in charge of the briefing, assembling the uh, components, and framing the argument. and. Introducing the new president to this issue, and um, making friends and influencing people, going right to the top, and everyone's going to know all about it. And again, uh, just as in the uh, the filing of lawsuits that you've heard discussed on the uh, on this archive of calls and on my channel, which is five nine six one five no confidence here at TalkShoe. In the archive of calls, we discuss lawsuits that have been filed in South Dakota and South Carolina. And the uh, lead plaintiff in South Carolina is on the call right now. These were filed with the understanding they were going to go nowhere. These are not guinea pigs that are filing these lawsuits. I don't have a laboratory, and I don't have experiments. Uh, I told the people that wanted to sue, it'll go nowhere. But from this, you'll be able to say, you'll have license to say, I even sued the United States government for proof that the tax code applies to me, and they can't debate me on four or five statutes. That's somebody that is much harder to indict than somebody that doesn't have a legal argument. On top of that, you have legal arguments they haven't been able to refute. They may say they've refuted them, but when you look at their answers, you go, excuse me, but uh, they're hiding. They haven't answered to the briefed issue and conclusion at all. They sidestepped it, they ran from it. I want answers. And in these lawsuits, uh, it's it's not profane, but it's stern. The uh, the language that is used to pursue the uh, due process. I want explanations of these laws. If I'm wrong, here's my interpretation. What's your interpretation, servant breath? And they can't. They can't tell you about Section 83. They throw a bunch of tax protester cases at you where Section 83 was not even in evidence. So got him on the run with a couple of issues based on statute only. Uh, I'm arguing as if I were a citizen of the United States and the statutes in the tax code have to be followed. Everybody has to obey and it has to be in a certain structure that in fact reaches me. Those are my tools and I go for it. And I can prove using just the tax code They are stealing every single penny they get from us. The first person that's been able to do that, and it's in my 1994 treatise. Anybody new to the call, 1994. The the first three months of 1994, I completed my treatise on the differences between the tax code and the IRS. None of this is new. It's all very old stuff. I'm not in the anti-tax movement. If I were, I'd be one of the grandfathers. I don't know if Bill Benson is still alive, but you got uh, uh, Bill Benson, Lowell B. Craft, <clears throat> He's not necessarily in the movement. He trashes the movement a lot, uh, but he's in the fray. And then you got uh, Bob Schultz of We the People. He's been around quite a while. Uh, Joe Bannister, um, a few others. Uh, Steve Hemfling, and uh, all those people know about me. Most of them have all my work, and uh, none of them have bothered to analyze my conclusions. But I should say that on the 2006 criminal complaint that went to 80 members of Congress, New Year's of 06, one of my co-complainants in 06, had been a self-employed accountant for 33 years, and he had been an enrolled agent to the IRS for 33 years, representing people in tax court and at audits. He went over my entire treatise and signed under penalties of perjury on that criminal complaint accusing judges, the U.S. Attorney General, tax court chief judge uh, of conspiracy against rights and racketeering and other crimes. So I have uh, a an endorsement under penalties of perjury from somebody with impeccable credentials. And he told me that none of the time, 33 years as an enrolled agent uh, to the IRS, he never received one moment of instruction on Section 83. So uh, when uh, he was seen with me in public, And I'd introduce him to somebody. Yeah, this is my accountant. I taught him everything he knows about the tax code. And he didn't even bat an eye at it. So, uh, these findings do have uh, validation. Also, uh, Ron McDonald, who wrote, They Own It All uh, Through Toxic Currency. Uh, He's a brilliant legal mind and You'll see his endorsement on the website somewhere. It says, uh, uh, Dave, I read and researched Section 83, uh, your book on Section 83, I think he says, and uh, tried to disprove it, but couldn't. It is an excellent work. Gee, thank you, Ron. I appreciate that. So, uh, and by the way, uh, Ron is easily over and above everybody out there in the movement. So, for what it's worth, uh, bingo. So, none of this is new. It's all very old. I've been in court and been in court and been in court. And if you take the tutorial on my YouTube channel, on Section 83, you're going to see in there that the government... Uh, in a 1996 memorandum out of tax court explained why they feel the uh, Section 83 argument is mistaken. But they don't cite a law that allows them to exclude labor from cost. They have to have a law because the law says your cost is any money or property. And the word any is all-inclusive unless the law provides otherwise. They can't come up with a law that provides otherwise. And so all property is a cost. And just recently, probably three months ago, the IRS filed a response in a tax court case and said they still stand on that 1996 decision to explain why they won't let you have labor as a cost. So it's brand new and old at the same time. If you choose to become a co-complainant, you need to choose right away because this ball is rolling and uh, we're not going to miss any deadlines and uh, this has to go in uh, for a nice fresh start when the new president gets his fresh start. And I'm going to stand on these two arguments with my signature under penalties of perjury saying, I'm only named in a regulation if I'm a citizen of the United States. And you deprive me of Section 83 when you tax my compensation. And since I'm excluded from Social Security, you won't find me paying Social Security anytime soon. Any questions? Servant? And I'm going to drag the White House right into the middle of all of this litigation that we've been uh, engaged in Since, uh, let's see, May of 2015, when uh, the South Carolina lawsuit was filed, or South Dakota. May of 2015, and then a couple of lawsuits in South Carolina, and we still can't get them to look at the law. (laughs) Uh, Just like I told the plaintiffs when we started, you'll have every great reason to follow through on this lawsuit, and they're going to deny it. Uh, but you will get the license to say, I even sued the government for proof the tax that applies to Americans, and they can't even debate me on four or five statutes because court is not the only venue. Why is not there somebody in the government that, out there that says, you know, Robert, I see that you sued the IRS and they dismissed your lawsuit, you got some questions in there. I'm from the IRS. Why don't I answer those questions for you so you don't have to go through all the trouble of filing lawsuits and everything? How come there's not a public servant coming forward to solve the problems, to dispel the conclusions, to disprove the allegations of criminal misconduct in those particular modes of enforcement? You wrote a regulation to make me liable and you deprive me of Section 83 to tax my paycheck. How come nobody is stepping forward? They rely on the courts to protect them. That's why. Um, The question in the chat, what's required to join, monetarily and background? You want to contact Chris at AmericanLiberty.llc at gmail.com. He's going to put that address in the chat again. Also after this call, one hour from now, uh, there's going to be a call specifically about the White House complaint, okay? And uh, that's a uh, the background. It doesn't matter what your background is. What matters is uh, the only thing you've received that may come into controversy or is in controversy is either capital gains or compensation for services as a blanket rule. So uh, everybody's going to fit into that. Um, So uh, the time is now, and um, I wish I could do this for free. I really do. I've billed out probably on more than 10 contracts at $400 an hour to write briefs against the Department of Justice in criminal tax cases. And uh, I can't work for free anymore. And what you're going to get is top-notch, depending on my proofreaders, of course. Uh, you never proofread your own stuff because you read too fast when you proofread your own stuff. So uh, if, if we end up with a typo or two, um, it's just the way it goes. But the formatting, the content, the layout, the structure, everything is going to be uh, top-tier, legal pleading, legal citation of authorities, and clear explanation. Uh, Chris said the other day, when I was looking at a particular statute with me, he says, you have a gift. I'd like to correct that. I don't have a gift. I have a skill. It was acquired. It's not a gift. It's just that, uh, and this is, everybody's heard me say this before. One of, the, one of the rules I follow that has netted me the most dividends in all the work I've done is go slowly, especially in court. As soon as you run at the prosecutor's speed, your rights run right out the door. You slow the court down to a crawl. It's the same way you do legal research. I'm going to give you an example. You'll see people in and around the Patriot Movement cite Lucas versus Earl. I think it's 1930, 1935. Case from the Supreme Court and it has a great line in there that says uh, wages and salaries are not taxable as gross income only that which is beneficiarily received should be included in gross income and people quote it all the time. That's the part of the decision where the court was describing the argument of the taxpayer. It was not in the opinion of the court. And That's what happens when you don't go slowly. So moving very slowly on everything you do regarding law. It helps if you read a case twice because you understand it better than if you just read it once. Isn't that a simple rule? So um, it's a matter of uh, taking your time, learning just two arguments and they're on the Federal Income Taxation page of wevgov.com. Getting back to, I wish I could do this for free. Uh, We'll try to an extent to accommodate somebody that can't afford the price that we're going to put on this process to be an original co complainant If it's unworkable, uh, you can wait and become a co-complainant later through an affidavit of joinder. instead of being a, an original co-complainant, uh, filing an affidavit of joinder afterwards, uh, your name won't be in the book that we're going to publish with a complaint in it, but your name will be added to the list of people that are complaining when you follow our complaint with your own affidavit of joinder that we'll process through our office. Chris and I. So, again, I wish I could do this for free, and uh, I worked for free for people for many years and helped a lot of people, and it was very rewarding, but I just can't afford to work for free anymore. So, with that having been said, again, in one hour, there's going to be a conference call about the White House complaint and uh, Chris will give you the details on that. Um, Switching topics, I uh, reviewed a particular case the other day. I'm going to first paste this into the chat. Uh, This is a great case, 2008 Supreme Court case. 2008 Supreme Court case, very recent. Right here. There's a 2008 Supreme Court case, Ali versus Federal Bureau of Prisons. And they say right there that the term any means everything. And I think I took an ex- excerpt from that case and added it to the uh, federal income taxation page of wevgov.com. So if you did a search for a prison on the uh on the federal income taxation page of wevgov.com then the the, um, quote will be right there on that page. Thank you, Granny. Um, The uh, other case I wanted to give you here is very interesting from another aspect. Let's see, where might I find that one? Here it is, right here. Coming here, copy and paste the full site right there, or the full uh, web address right there. Bond versus the United States. This woman went to the Supreme Court twice, once in 011, once in 014. This is the 014 decision. And the Supreme Court said, Your crime is very unremarkable and the Fed should not have even have touched you. Your conviction is overturned. The Fed took, uh, there was a treaty against the use of chemical weapons and they wrote a statute in Congress to implement that treaty prohibiting chemical weapons. This woman, Carol Ann Bond had put uh, chemicals on the front door of somebody's home, the person's mailbox handle, and her car door handle. Because this woman, who is Carol Ann Bond's best friend, uh, got pregnant, and Carol Ann Bond's husband was the father. So as a measure of revenge... Uh, Carol Ann Bond stole some of her mail and put these chemicals on her uh, door handles and mailbox handle, and the Fed reached out with that statute prohibiting the use of chemical weapons and prosecuted her. She had to go to the Supreme Court twice. Twice. And if she hadn't, we'd have a terrible decision at the appellate level. But in that case, they get on uh relevant chat only please they get on uh into the uh commerce clause and um to restate basically the same thing they did in um in uh US versus Lopez nineteen ninety five a San Antonio youth took a gun to school and they said we're gonna prosecute you under the federal law, the Safe School Zone Act. And they argued all the way to the Supreme Court that his his conduct didn't substantially affect interstate commerce and so federal jurisdiction under the Commerce Clause was not triggered. And so if you read the Lopez case first, nineteen ninety five, US versus Lopez, and then read the Caroline Bond case, they're saying the same thing. Now, why is her conduct inside of a state unremarkable? But if I grow a few marijuana plants, the Fed will bust me. How come my conduct within my state isn't of the same magnitude or little magnitude as was Carol Ann Bond's conduct? If you, ma- if you manufacture uh, methamphetamine inside of a state, why does the Fed get to prosecute it? If you possess cocaine within a state and you're not the one that brought it in, how come the Fed is prosecuting that? Uh, gun crime. There's a whole bunch of stuff the Fed is into that clearly takes place strictly within a state and is unremarkable. So anyway, the Carol Ann Bond decision I think is very interesting. Things you got to know. And uh, her first case in 2011... The Supreme Court said she's being affected by the prosecution, and so even though she 's not a state she has temp, uh, she has right to argue Tenth Amendment because if she's right about the Tenth Amendment that it's states rights issue then uh she has every right to argue that to prevent prosecution and so uh <coughs> The court said, okay, you do have standing, but we find you guilty. We think we do, even though you have standing, we think the Fed has uh, the authority to do this to you. And took it all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, you're right. Uh, they don't have the authority to do this to you. It's a treaty banning the use of chemical weapons, and they went into a state and used it against somebody for rubbing a compound on a uh, mailbox handle. Give me a break. Also, the Commerce Clause, commerce among the states. Why would the word among the states in the Commerce Clause have a different meaning than the word among in the 16th Amendment that authorizes an income tax? Among the states, I'm going to quote the 16th Amendment here. Give me a second. 16th Amendment. Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived without apportionment among the several states and without regard to any census or enumeration. How about that? How come the word among the states in this doesn't have the same meaning as it does in the Commerce Clause? So personally, and I'm not going to make this argument, but I think I don't think anybody would be really off their rocker to try it to say I didn't cross state lines when I contracted for the sale of my services. Anyway, that's the Carol Ann Bond case. Very interesting. And uh, again, in 50 minutes, uh, another call about the White House complaint is going to commence. And uh, Chris will give you... Is it going to take place right here on TalkShoe, Chris?
0: No, it's going to be on a uh, my conference line, and for those who sent in, uh, you know that they were interested. They already have the phone number and all. Because if, if people are not interested, there's no need to come to the call.
1: Right. So <clears throat> uh, Donaldson wants it. He's a live one, and uh, send Chris an email. They'll try to respond to it. So we're going to cut the call off early so Chris can catch up to the emails for the people that are interested in getting on the White House complaint. And uh, so it's going to be the White House complaint, tax court in Indiana, U.S. District Court in South Dakota, and the 11th Circuit uh, down there in Florida. So uh, a whole lot happening right now that's going to go absolutely nowhere. (laughs) Because... You'll never get a thief to admit they're stealing. But you've got a front row seat to statutory arguments that no one else can teach you. No one's interested in what I teach. And look at all we're doing with it. No one's interested. And uh, mm-hmm. if Lowell B. Craft could debunk the Section 83 argument, he'd have done it by now. He had my full curriculum in 2004, 2005, along with Debbie Kidd, Steve Hemfling, Bob Schultz, and, oh, there was five people. Oh, a Payman Mateheda at the Freedom Law School. All of them received my entire curriculum, and no one's interested. And yet, uh, I forced the IRS to rewrite regulations. They amended Publication 17 because of me. They amended the... Uh, the US passport application because of me. So, um, I'm on fire as much as you can be. The system is corrupt, you can't get anywhere, but I've uncovered a few things that made them go, oh boy, we better amend this one or we better strike that regulation. An example of that, let me type it into the chat. Uh, Let's see. These two regulations, 26 CFR, were stricken in uh, 2007. 26 CFR 31.3402F2-1G5 subclauses 2 and 3. Those were stricken in 2007, and it's because they were mentioned in the 2006 criminal complaint to Congress as a couple of regulations that destroyed a statute. The statute is 3402n, as in nobody. 3402n says, notwithstanding any other provision of this chapter, an employer shall not be required to deduct and withhold. Uh, upon a payment of wages unless there is an affected or if there is an affected w-4 exempt. well if you file the w-4 exempt, the uh, employer notifies the irs and then the irs instructs the employer to withhold the maximum amount those two regulations are what said that's what should happen and they obviously destroyed three four zero two n and so i raised them as a point of contention in that congressional complaint saying here's a couple of regulations that destroyed that statute over there. And they struck those regulations in 2007 for anybody that uh, it doesn't hit right away. That is fantastic work. I'm bragging that's great work. When uh, you have to know enough about tax law to challenge a regulation, on the basis that it is not in the intent of the uh, law. How do you know it? Well, I know enough about the law to know a regulation that deviates from it. You can't challenge a regulation until you know enough about the law. So uh, that's why right there. So uh, any parting words, Chris? Again, in 45 minutes that other call will start. Um, Chris's email address.
0: Yeah, I put it in there. I put it in there again. And I, I can Sam, you see I responded. I didn't see where you requested to be on the list. Uh, I'm looking at the list now. And
1: uh, email, Chris, email Chris a request for information about the call that's going down in 45 minutes, and he'll try to get back to you. And uh, it's going to be about the criminal complaint that's going to the brand new administration. You don't want to miss that. So uh, why don't we wrap this up, Chris? Over to you. Thanks, everybody.
0: Amen to that. Okay. Well, thank thank you, everybody, for coming on the call. Oh, Donaldson wants to say something. Okay. Go ahead, Mr. Donaldson. Yeah, thanks for
1: opening me. Um, Dave, I just wanted to know, you made a statement just a second ago about uh, you can't challenge a regulation. Can you be... Can you clarify about that? Because I have something specific uh, that I'm dealing with regarding, you know, the difference between a regulation and a code,
0: like an IRS code.
1: I I, I understand what I was saying is you can't challenge a regulation until you know what's wrong with the regulation. And what's wrong with the regulation is that it departs from statute. So you have to know enough about the law before you can challenge a regulation. That's what I was saying. Okay, so the right, right. Okay, so tra- let's say it's Treasury Regulation 1.1-1. That what statute would that be departing from? It is written to implement Section 1 of the code, but Section 1 of the code doesn't even mention anybody's citizenship. How come you're mentioning it in a, in a regulation? You can't do that. You can't add okay. to the statute something that's not there. Wow, you you made it very very clean and clear just now. Thank you very much. Thank first you. time for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> virgin.
0: What, John? Okay, what did Mr. That Johnson. Wait a minute, you're talking exactly when I'm talking. What did you say? Well, actually,
1: I I said virgin. He said it was his first time. I called him a virgin. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay, thank you. First time. First time for me being clear and accurate. Yeah, the uh, the work you have, there's a, a certain document that was included with the 2006 Criminal Complaint to Congress, uh, the 1.83-6 Amendment. I challenged that regulation in a bunch of tax court briefs in 1994, and they obliterated the regulation, totally revamped it in January of 95, because I challenged it on three grounds. Uh, it It was the only nexus between Chapter 1 and Chapter 24. It said, an employer can't receive credit as the cost of doing business for the wages he pays out unless he deducts or withholds upon the wages pursuant to Chapter 24. I said, hold it right there. Uh, First off, Section 162 freely permits an employer to deduct the cost of doing business. So you've put a condition on something that Congress freely permits. You can't do that. Secondly, if you deduct a withhold upon my wages at the end of the year, I have to claim a section 31A credit for all the withholding that went out of my paycheck through the W-4 form over the year, but I'm not eligible for that credit C 26 CFR 1.31-2B that limits that 31A credit to federal public servants. And third, How did Section 83 operate? In your conclusion, I owe a tax on my wages. And they obliterated the regulation. They started from scratch, wrote a brand new one. It's that different. They have nothing in common with one another. And the new one did not have the requirement that the employer has to deduct them to get a deduction or the, the employer has to withhold to get a deduction as the cost of doing business. That was not manifest in the rewrite. So I challenged it on three valid grounds, and it was tanked. So that was an example of having to know enough about the law to know when a regulation is playing games. And I saw that one. I said, excuse me, can't do that. I knew it immediately when I saw that regulation. Another good one, there's a regulation under Section 1402 In self-employment social security that says this tax is to be added to the tax imposed by chapter one how are you going to do that you can't be both citizens and so there's another regulation that needs challenge it is listed in the criminal complaint that went to Congress in oh six okay let's wrap this up Chris great question Donaldson anytime
0: okay LT did you get the uh, the phone number Uh, because I did send it to you, and I want to make make sure you got it. If not, check your email. Um, okay, good, you got it. All right. Well, again, this is the last call of the year, and I'm really excited to look to see what's going to happen for the next year. And I think we're going to get off to a good start. So with that being said, God Happy bless Happy New Year. I'm sorry? Happy New Year. And Happy New Year. And uh, God bless America, and this call is officially over. Thank you, and good night.